Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Relation Fix. Thank you so much for joining us again. This is the second half of our very in-depth and interesting conversation on handling conflicts and challenges in relationships with Frank Deluzio. If you missed the first half of this conversation, please go back and take a listen. It was two weeks ago. It was really good. We covered so much and had such a great conversation with lots of fun tangents. We discussed, among many other things, defensiveness and personalization and how they can break down relationships as well as different things to try instead. In this episode, we will cover assumptions, expectations, and stonewalling. You will not want to miss these things. Please and now enjoy part two of How to Fight Right. Number three. Assumptions <laughs> and expectations. You said that like some operator, like some <laughs> seductive oh, operator. No. Num- number three. Do people remember nine hundred numbers? Is that like what am I what have I been calling? Welcome no, I'm kidding. To one nine hundred relationships. <laughs> That's a really good question. That's like a whole other episode, I right? feel. Right. I feel like we're not that old, but like all these things keep happening where people are like, what is that? I guess it'd be, it It would go with the whole remote work. <laughs> right? I think. Or do they still make you go in the Come office? Back, COVID. For like, we're okay. <laughs> do they make this. you go on the, did those be, <laughs> this is so off topic, but like, oh do they make sex operators go into an office or do they do it from home or I think they're probably at both? home. You never seen those videos with the, like, they show like those old, ladies with their curlers in their hair smoking a cigarette like oh how's it going big boy whatever I, just, <laughs> I want this in the episode <laughs> even though it has nothing to do but i just picture like i'm i'm oh. doing i'm like one of these operators and then mary next to me has like whipped cream broken out and oh she's like god. really getting into character <laughs> oh my god communication so <laughs> oh so number three <laughs> assumptions and expectations I make a lot of assumptions. I have lots of expectations. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. I mean, we like an accountability queen. Right? Oh. No, I've definitely been the same way. Yeah. I mean, I think we all make us generalized assumptions. I mean, pretty much we do that. Like, hey, you should show up the way that I think you should show up. And I'm going to assume that you're going to do that. And when you don't, (laughs) I'm going to have this expectation of, how you should feel or think or what you should do. And typically we kind of expect them to think and feel and act the same way that we do, (laughs) which is not often the case. I think, I think people have very much their own experiences and their own thoughts. And we definitely get our expectations uh, dashed a lot yeah we have kind of a baseline of expectations of things that need to get done or accomplished and when they aren't met tony robbins says expectations are just disappointments waiting to happen and i'm like i think that's probably pretty accurate to be fair i think that's pretty (laughs) accurate well i think part of at least expect expectations for me i think part of it was that i felt like my expectations in life were almost the right way 
to do life, even though there's really no concrete mm-hmm. answer on how to live life. Like mm-hmm. you can live life however you want. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, I know the right way. So I expect so you that you should know too. the right way too. Yeah, And the right way is my way, by the way, just in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and sometimes I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so just so you know you have to read my mind as well (laughs) it's really it's not it's not the greatest thing to have expectations are are definitely I, I don't think we can ever get rid of expectations totally but I do think that if you have an expectation of someone else or you do want someone else to do a certain thing or act a certain way I think that it has to be communicated Like if I want you to walk the dog every night before bed, I can't go to bed and expect you to know that I have to say, can you walk the dog every night before you go to bed just to make sure, you know, he's fully empty (laughs) before bed and he can make it until I get up in the morning. If I don't communicate that, then Melissa would have no idea that I had that expectation, but I could very well, if he, you know, peed in the house or something, then I'd be like, how did you not know that he would need to go out to go to the bathroom? But that's, I mean, it's not fair when you do those kinds of things. To me, it makes sense because that's the thing. That's what I think. But I would have to make the assumption that she would think exactly the same way that I do. Well, it's even in regards of a relationship, just like how we talked about with the apologies, where someone, especially if you're dating someone new, they're not going to just know that off the bat. And I know I've been guilty of expecting, well, Mm -hmm. you should come for me in this way Mm -hmm. when I'm upset. But if they don't, if that wasn't ever communicated and you have that expectation, they should be doing this, then yeah, that's something like you said, like we should communicate that first. And then it's nice too, when people have similar standards in certain ways, Mm -hmm. that definitely makes it more easy when you can kind of come together on certain things, how you want to treat each other. I think the thing that's hard about it, too, is that sometimes it really sets the other person up for failure. Yeah. Because you're like, I have all these expectations because I think that things should be done a certain way. But it doesn't really honor or recognize that this other person might have a different experience in life, might have different expectations themselves. They might have a different reality. They might have a different idea of how things should be done. And so by me setting expectations that especially if I don't even communicate them, it's just off this assumption that their life and their experiences are the same as mine. And Mm -hmm, it really sets them up to fail and causes so much tension between the two of you because you're like, no, my way's right. No, my way's right. Or you set all these expectations and you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. That's just what you end up being accustomed to. Mm -hmm. I know that you had told me a little bit about the 530 fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never heard it worded like this before. So Gnome. Oh, my God. Please. I hope I'm saying that first name right. I think it's it's Gnome. Gnome, right? Mm -hmm. Gnome Ostrander. um, He's an associate professor of social work at DePaul University. And he kind of, I don't know if he coined this or he just named this type of thing, the 530 fight. Okay. And I never really thought much about it. But that's also because I never really officially lived with a partner to go through that necessarily. Mm -hmm. And also, I currently have a partner that works from home. So I never really, even when um, there's times where I've worked from 
his house and I never really think to ask him how his day went or anything like that because I know he was in his office yeah. <laughs> essentially. So I don't know. So the 530 fight essentially is, you know, one partner wants to interact about their day, but the other person just wants to decompress. Mm. And then when that happens, when there's like kind of that miscommunication there, or there's two yeah. different wants happening at the same time, then that one partner, they feel uncared for. But then the one that wanted to decompress feels attacked because they just want to decompress. But the other one wanted to have that communication. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, you know, with your current partner, if you guys ever had this sort of encounter, if you do ask about each other's days or if you had any. I definitely understand this because I spend most of my time working from home now. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely an extroverted person. And so spending larger amounts of time by myself is not always great. So sometimes if I'm home by myself, like the entire day, then I'm really want to like have interaction with someone. You don't have coworkers. Right. I don't have a coworker. I don't have anybody to talk to or anything like that. I can get like that. And so when Melissa comes home from work, if I'm up because she works second shift. But now, like, I want to talk. I want to have interactions with her. And she's so taxed for spending all day because, of course, she's an introvert. And so what happens is, like, she's used up so much of her resources managing the people that she works with and patients and all of these things that she now wants time to decompress where she can just, like, be on her phone, have a snack, like do nothing, putter around the house, just do different things. And I'm just like, Hey, Oh my God, don't you want to talk to me? me?" So sometimes that can be really hard. And before we lived together, she used to a lot of times like sit in her car after work for like a half an hour or take her time coming home. Like it would take her like an hour to get home. She works like 15 minutes away. And she would be like, I just need time to decompress and kind of come from that space. And I used to get really mad about that because I would think like, great, you're taking time to decompress, but like I have been alone all day. And so you can see we're both attempting to get our needs met, but how that could create tension because now I feel like she doesn't care for the fact that I want to be with somebody and I feel like I need to have that connection because I've missed it all day long. Mm -hmm. And she feels like I don't, care about her, the fact that she's tapped out and needs time to relax and let go. And so we both have this expectation of we're in a relationship, you need to be fulfilling my need. And but our needs happen to be different in that moment. No, that that could definitely be an easy recipe for yeah. the 530 fight. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's a good example. It just well, Ours is more like the midnight fight. <laughs> because <laughs> because she works shift 11. Well, she but, also has a yeah. job that not only takes probably a lot of social energy and just energy in general, but a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. And I know when I'm low on patience, I definitely kind of want to recluse a little bit because I don't want to, I guess I don't want to like act out of character when my energies are really low and say things that I'm going to regret. And I think that's why, see, currently I'm in a position, I'm in a more similar position as you're in right now where like, yeah, I don't have the coworkers anymore. Like I used to, when I did have coworkers back then I was drained. Like a lot of them ended up being my closest friends because they're the people you see a lot and talk to. So that's why now in the position I'm in and my partner can work late sometimes it's, I really try to make sure I build community with other people so that you can get that energy from the people who are able to give you that energy, maybe in moments where you feel like you need it. Totally. 
I definitely think that how I've coped with it is I have an understanding now that I really need to have connection on a more consistent basis. As an extrovert, I recharge with people, not away from them generally. Yeah. I can be overtaxed too. And sometimes I just want time alone. So that does happen to me too. But because I already spend so much time alone or in session with patients, which is not, is not the same thing as being with somebody because you're there to care for them. And, and the way that I can, I'm there, you know, it's work. It's not, it's not a relaxing space where I get that takes, that takes energy. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy. And so my recharging, cause that's pulling my energy. My recharging happens with people as yeah. an extrovert. And so the way that I've learned to combat it is exactly what you just said is building community. So if I know I'm going to have, you know, a night where I have nothing to do, like sometimes if I'm like, Oh, I just, I don't even want to leave the house. I just want to relax and like binge watch love is blind. <laughs> <laughs> Or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. That's okay. I can just hang out at the house and it's not that big a deal. But that's not the case for me all the time. And so a lot of times I'll text people or I'll like say to my family, hey, are we, do you want to meet for dinner tonight? Or yeah. I'll try to make plans ahead of time. Like I'll look at my weekly schedule and say, these are the nights I need to do it. Or if Melissa's working on the weekend, I'm like texting my friends going, what are you doing? Because I don't want to spend you know, an entire day by myself because it's just, it's too much for me and I get really, really lonely. And so there are ways to help around things like that. I could see how the 530 fight, you know, could happen. Well, and regardless of all the life stuff too, you and your romantic partner aren't the only people in each other's lives. Like we tend to have a lot of other connections outside Mm -hmm. of that. I think it's important to nurture those. And then at the same time too, what I've had to learn a lot lately is that most, if not all of us, are really going through it lately. Like there's yes. just a lot of emotional burden that we have had to work through. Just, I mean, we went through COVID. That was tough. It's still a process even three years later. Like mm-hmm. I think it's still affecting people today, whether not even just like the physicalness of it, but just mentally it affects people or it's like yeah. brain fog or anything else like that. So it's just... Yeah, life is hard. So, well, and remember too, as a side note, because of uh, inflation and we're sort of in a recession, like the price of things is crazy. So, people are working overtime, they're working extra, they're working shorthanded, there's not as many people there with them. And it's so taxing just that that the idea that you have to come home and now try to engage again is really difficult. It takes a big strain on things. And if you're worried about financial issues, you know, finances are a big issue, especially in, you know, partnerships and intimate relationships, you know, how you're going to pay for things. Like, it's really stressful. There's, yeah, there's a lot of different stressors in life. And it's like, people are barely able to take care of themselves. And I think with my partner, that's why, you know, if he's had a long day at work, I always try to think to myself, because knowing like any sort of stress that he's going through, or even even regardless of the stress that I'm going through myself, I always try to ask myself, how do I make it? How do I make life easier for him? Or how do I like lift I some of that. the the burden? Because it's like life mm-hmm. is tough. So and it's tough for essentially like almost everyone. So it's I think that's just important to remember. Instead of it, instead of going right into like the fight or attack mode, thinking like, yeah, how how can we nurture each other? How can we be there for each other? Because we just like need that love, I guess. I love that because 
if you remember back to our six human needs episode, when we kind of talked about most people living in significance and certainty is this idea, you could very much take offense to it and be like, I'm not important enough for this person to do this. But instead, you intentionally shift yourself to love and contribution and saying like, how do I make things a little bit easier for this person that I love who might be having a hard time or maybe had a stressful day? Like you move into that space and it changes everything about how you feel. It changes the way you feel about the person and your interactions. It changes the way that your actions and behaviors, it changes everything. Just that internalized shift because literally nothing's different. All you did was shift internally. And that's the point is like how beautiful that is when you're able to shift out of certainty and significance and move into like love and contribution and growth. Like that's a moment of growth for you is to be able to say like, you know what? This is hard for me, but like, let me try to think about him. Like, how is he feeling? You know that, and it's not always easy to do, especially if we're in pain. Well, that, yeah, that perception, that mindset could, could make or break a relationship. And I know, I know there's been long days for both of us, you know, in our relationship. And even like, I know even times where he's had a really long work day, he has still made us dinner or something, even though he was like exhausted, yeah. but knew like we needed to eat. And so he'd end up cooking something or like, like I said, from my end, maybe I know, he, like, even though I had like a long stressful day, I know he also did too. So like, I'll maybe give him a, a massage or something like just to kind of, cause I don't know, like we're at the end of the day, it's like, if you say you want a relationship, you gotta, you know, you gotta put in the work for 100%. it at the end of the day. So it's like, Yeah, it's just, I guess, that little mindset change of, like, how do we make it work instead of always, like, well, I feel this, I feel that, and just stay, like, sometimes we just stay in our own mindset and bubble a little bit too Mm -hmm. much, where it's, like, no, when you're in a partnership now, it's us instead of always me. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's amazing. Thanks. I really do. I don't think it's the thing we typically tend to do. I think a lot of times we tend to like think about our own pain or think about what we're going through, but we forget sometimes how much better we can feel when we take a second and breathe and think about someone else or do something for someone else, how much that actually helps us, helps us light up, helps us feel better, helps us feel more significant and loved and cared about and how much that can come from just doing something kind for someone else. I agree. Yeah. One of the things that I try to do around expectations too is if I feel like I'm having a lot of expectations, I try to trade my expectations for appreciation. Yeah. And one of the best episodes I think we did that I think was a really good discussion was when we talked about validation, appreciation, and praise. And I think we forget sometimes what can happen out of a space of appreciation, how just being able to say... I did have this expectation of this person. Like I expect that Melissa is going to come home and interact with me, but instead say, you know, I really appreciate the fact that she goes to work 40 hours a week and, you know, brings home money to help pay the bills and do all those things. That's hard. You know, what she does is hard. I appreciate the fact that she's willing to do that because she could not, you know, I mean, she wouldn't, I don't think because, 
you know, it's just not in her nature, but there are lots of people out there who don't do those things. They don't show up in that way. So what are the things I can be grateful for? And I can appreciate about this person showing up that maybe they didn't show up in this way that I wanted them to, but in what other ways did they show me that they loved me or Mm -hmm. in what other ways did she show up in a way that I, you know, wasn't expecting maybe. And I think that, you know, that is a really important thing is just moving into a space of gratitude and appreciation as often as possible. Cause sometimes we take a lot of things for granted. We do. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's definitely easy to forget. I talked about this in another episode too. (laughs) Wow. So funny. I feel like I'm like hearkening back to all these episodes, but the like, let them thing, the let them theory or let them technique that came from Mel Robbins, which is just like letting people do what they want to do. And then you making a decision about how you're going to respond to it. So instead of saying, trying to force Melissa to be someone she's not, or say, you have to have this interaction with me in order to feel this way, like letting her decompress, letting her take her time the way that she does. And then me deciding what I'm going to do in response. So I have the opportunity to say, hey, I know you need time to decompress. I also need time to interact. How can we make both of these things happen? That You know, how can we both get what we need out of this space? Because I understand that after such a taxing day at work, you need time to decompress. But I also need to be in connection with you because when we lose connection and engagement between the two of us, I feel really lonely and uncared for. So how do we, how do we meet both of these things? Because her needs are just as important as mine. Yeah. The control piece was, that was probably like one of the toughest things for me. And I think because some of us feel like so out of control growing up or that we never really had control over our life or decisions in it. Mm -hmm. So then we're trying so hard to like have the reins on something because we feel so out of control. I am a big person about spheres of influence. I use that Mm. with my clients all the time. And it's basically the idea of like, do you can focus on the things that are outside of your control, or you can focus on the things that are inside your control. And basically the only thing that is in your control 100% of the time is you, you know, your thoughts. Sometimes we can't control our feelings, but what we do in response to our feelings is within our control, our mindset, our state. Yeah. Our perspective, the way that we think about things, we have the ability to control those things all the time. But we spend so much time attempting to control other people and other things and our environment and the world around us that it leads to so much frustration because our only real control is us. And so if you have the ability to come back inside yourself and say, how can I look at this differently? What am I not seeing in this space? What can I learn from this? How can I approach this in a way that shows the other person that I really love them? Because I do. Why am I in a relationship with somebody if I don't love them? Like I, I chose exactly. to be with them because I love them. So how can I, how can I respond to them and a- ask for what I need in a way that's loving and kind? And- well, see, the problem is some people choose to be with people for other reasons. Mm. And that's when some of the stuff really starts you becoming an apparent. About that, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> this is already going to be a really long episode. <laughs> I can tell. But for people who can, <laughs> if you're not driving or like in the middle, like if you can get a pen and paper, I think you should. People listening you should definitely write that down. 
about the spheres of influence. That's so important, just being able to focus more on what you can control over the outside factors. It's crazy when you start thinking about it and you realize I do that all the time where I stop and say, oh, why am I in so much pain? Oh, because I'm focusing on all the crap I cannot control. And there's so much. There's so much of life we can't control, to be fair. Well, I had someone kind of yell and flip out at me the other day. And it was a big, like, I didn't fall into the typical, oh, we'll just, like, react back with defensiveness Mm -hmm. or, you know, scream back, whatever. And I really just took control of my emotions and responded in a way that I see the whole, to refer back to a past episode... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Beyonce episode, yeah. that persona work really helped a lot. And I think it's really important, like for people who haven't listened to that episode, you should, and really think about the person that maybe you're not today, but the person that you want to be, those like role mm-hmm. model, or at least the traits that some of your ro- role models have, and to try to apply those and respond yeah. to people in that way, because you have control to do that. I think we forget sometimes that we don't have to just be a reaction to our environment that we get to choose who we want to be. We don't have to be our parents. No. <laughs> oh my God. Right. You know what they say? Like, you, <laughs> you were one, one parent. parent we date the, the other. other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But we don't have, we don't have to, we get to choose who we want to be. And if we get to choose who we want to be, why wouldn't we be Beyonce? I mean, I would <laughs> like on multiple levels. I mean, Jay-Z's maybe not my number one type, but but I love to flip my hair. I can't flip my hair. Right? Oh my gosh. But I, I just think it's it's a really interesting way to kind of think about how to flip some expectations and assumptions about other people. You said flip, so then I, oh, I thought yeah. you were referencing back to the flip hair. Which at the end of the day, I can make that choice to grow my hair out and flip it. <laughs> you can because that is within your spheres of influence. Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Number four, indifference or stonewalling. <laughs> so they're actually, I think, a little bit different. So indifference mm-hmm. really, I kind of think of indifference as the opposite of love. Like people say like love and hate, but I, I feel like hate is a very strong emotion. Love is a very strong emotion. I don't think that's emotion. indifference. Yeah. I think indifference is the opposite of love where you don't really care But stonewalling, I think, is where you're literally shutting someone off. So oftentimes, like when relationships are breaking down, you can become either indifferent or you can stonewall where you just shut off and you avoid the conflict, you avoid the connection, you avoid being in that space altogether. I have always said, like, if I stop fighting with you, you should be afraid. (laughs) because like, not that I, not that I want to fight, but if I've gotten to the point where I feel like it's not even worth the fight, I'm like pretty much at the point of giving up. Yeah. That's how it is for, that's how it definitely is for relationships. Mm -hmm. And stonewalling is the one out of all of these that I probably like the other ones I've done a lot in the past, but this is probably one even still going forward. Like the last one I'm working on Mm -hmm. a little bit and to delve into that more. I think it just goes back to our past experiences a little bit where I was so used to conflict not being solved or the other person not wanting to communicate that Mm -hmm. if something was wrong, I would just say, yeah, it's fine. 
Like, let's just, you know, move on. But like, we didn't really solve it. Right. And so I just think that's like a wall going up. Yeah. And you're just like, I, I'm not going to be open to you anymore. I'm not looking for solving. I feel like it's at this point, it's just useless to continue. And I'm not going to spend any energy trying to work this out because we're just spinning our wheels there. We're not moving anywhere. There's no progress being made. And so I'm just going to shut down. This like, is, I feel that, like it's like a shutting down. Yeah, no, this is this is the type of case where I say that fighting isn't always a negative connotation because sometimes mm-hmm. we're fighting to make something work. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's a better way to fight and a non so well, yes. way to fight. But I definitely think that there is something in the space of fighting that you're willing to at least put in some effort. Once once you feel like there's no effort to be made, yeah. like that won't make any difference. That's, I mean, that's kind of pretty close to the end. For me, anyway, I, I find that to be the case. John Gottman has really good research on this. Um, the Gottman Institute and his wife, um, Julie Gottman, like they are really amazing. And in one of his books, I think it's called like the seven keys to making marriage work or the seven principles. Mm. I can't remember which word it is. I think maybe principles. That yeah, sounds like be. him. Yeah, I think that's right. He talked about like the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships. And they were criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And how when he sees those things in couples, he knows that they're probably going to either get divorced or they're going to break up. So it was really interesting because in doing some research for this episode, I watched this video. I know I sent it to you Yes. on this and it was a really, well, just a couple, couple minute video, but it was really interesting sort of looking at breaking down these four concepts and actually reflecting back on my own behavior and saying like, how many times have I used these things, you know, in my past relationship and am I using them now? Like, how am I communicating and are these things coming up? And I think I've used all of them, I think at one point or another. And I can see why there's so much trouble and kind of what happens around that and definitely attempting to move out of that. And just like you said, like being able to step into a space of contribution and love, it can help shift you out of that space of that. Because it just, it closes down your relationship. Yeah. And if you want it to end, do these things. Like, so if you're in a toxic relationship, do that. <laughs> well, you have to, yeah, you have to trust that you can communicate with your partner mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you guys can work through things. Otherwise, yeah, yeah why are you together? And uh, sometimes I think if you're at the point where you're stonewalling or you just feel indifferent or you're just, you know, you're at that hopeless space that maybe it's okay to just take a break. Yeah. It's Which, okay yeah. to like move out of that space, do something to self-soothe. You know, sometimes I like to read or take a shower. Like sometimes if I just put a TV show on, that's like, uh, for me, it's like a Gilmore Girls episode <laughs> is like generally where I go. You know, I start to kind of chuckle a little bit or laugh at something, something funny. Said. Yeah. Then what ends up happening is that I, I don't feel defensive anymore. I don't feel closed down. And part of me, like I can feel the wall coming down a little bit. Like I don't feel as mad or like something happens and I want to call her over and be like, hey, look at this funny part or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it helps to move yourself out of that space a little bit. Well, I definitely recommend people check out John Gottman's work. He also 
whether it's his books or just online content like you came across, because he writes books with his wife as well. I have another one from him. It's like Eight Perfect Dates. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to read that. I want to go through it again. I try to with my current partner, but it was like too soon in the relationship. I think mm-hmm. it's something like you want to maybe date for a while and then go through. But there's, yeah, there's like one date, you focus on communication, another is like sexual intimacy, and there's different... I love There's different important categories. Yeah. Mm. The two of them are fantastic. Brene Brown has had them on, I think, a couple of times on her podcast, Unlocking Us. And they're hilarious and so fun and just full of really good information. And you can tell that they have like a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. Of course, it would be really awful if they came out with they had a terrible. That does happen, though, sometimes where people have terrible relationships. Even though you know something, sometimes things don't work out. You still got to work on it. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, check out their work. It's really, really good. So we had, as per usual, our Facebook question, our podcast question of the week. And it was briefly describe an argument that went well and one that went poorly and why. So, yeah, we have... We have two responses. If we did more, this episode would be seven hours long, probably, because <laughs> these responses are a little bit on the lengthy side. But we need that. We need context. Yeah. And yeah, it's important to just go through it. So we'll try to take it into pieces, too. So this first one's by Chrissy D. Thank you for your vulnerable response that we're about Absolutely. to read. It's really appreciated. So mm-hmm. she says... My now ex-husband and I were arguing because I was spending a lot of time with my mom who wasn't feeling too good lately. We had a one-month-old, and I was always away to my mom's with the baby or would leave him with the baby. Either way, I was at my mom's often. One day, he had had enough and went off on me about how we were supposed to be a family and I should be home more with them, etc. When my dad came in unexpectedly to tell us that my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and she's in the hospital... It was not a great moment, but I thought it was the perfect time to sarcastically say, so do you mind if I spend time with my mom now, or is it still going to be a problem? Needless to say, I won that argument. So I think it's really interesting because we can kind of see a little bit of some of the stuff we were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we can definitely see Chrissy sort of move into that space of defensiveness and her husband taking things personally, like there's a a good amount of personalization in that space. Well, and this is also, like we talked about earlier, that's a little bit off topic, but just a lot of things are going on yeah. at once. Yeah. So it definitely, it it's hard, it's just, it's it can be challenging to think about some of these things that we've been talking about when this is all on our shoulders. And that's why totally. it's important to take a pause. Mm-hmm. So I think when I kind of think about it, I try to like break down that response a little bit. Yeah. I think her husband was probably feeling insignificant. Or unloved. And he became very reactive to that. He felt like, you know, she's not showing up for me. She doesn't care about me. You know, she's over there with her mom all the time. What about me? What about the baby? You know, there is this idea. Of course, I'm making some assumptions. Yeah. Based on, you know, I don't know any more about their situation um, than what I'm reading on here. But that's kind of what I'm seeing is, is he's feeling and maybe he didn't respond well to that. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe he got really reactive and did not communicate in a way that she could hear. And clearly she was worried about her mother not feeling well. And then obviously they got that really horrible diagnosis. And I, you know, that's so taxing and so scary. And 
you know, my mom died of cancer. So I totally understand what happens when you get in that space. And so I'd like to think that once he understood what was going on, that he was easier on her, although it does, they did get divorced. So I'm, I'm guessing there were issues that have, that came up in their relationship. And so, you know, but you can kind of see how, and she says, she acknowledges in that comment, like it wasn't the best moment. Yeah. So she acknowledges her defensiveness, which I think we can all understand why she would be in that space of like, now, how do you feel? You know, you made this such a big deal and you were so hard on me about this. And now my mom's sick. So you could see how those conversations would go in that direction. But I also think that sometimes we can choose to communicate in a different way. But I also think like her husband could have said, well, I didn't, you know, let me think about her like you do. Right. So you take that moment and you flip and say, how is this other person feeling? What are they thinking? You know, so instead him saying, are you worried about your mom? You know, what do you think is going on with her? You're over there so often, maybe because she's scared. So he was so focused on his own pain that he couldn't see that she was probably hurting or scared or worried or having a tough time of it. And that's what we were talking about earlier. And some of it, maybe him feeling that some of it was personalized when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Well, and clearly he made some assumptions and definitely had expectations about how she needed to show up. But that's the thing about expectations. You know, we kind of talked about that a little bit already, but the idea is, is that life changes. Life is in flux all the time. And so someone might regularly be in your space all the time. But if things happen in their life, like you said, all these things are happening. Our ability to show up in the same way is going to change. And we have to be willing to be flexible around that and, and move and have some space for other people's feelings and the things that are going on, because those things are going to have an impact on how we get to show up. Yeah. I think when someone's feeling a lot of pain, I think especially when you're dating them, I think it's important to show up or maybe just like certain things can be put on the back burner. Just wait a moment so that you can be there. I mean, I know I have made a lot of mistakes like that in my past where I didn't show up for my partner in the way that I should have. You know, I definitely did that with Rich. And it was one of the things that I think caused our relationship to end in a lot of ways is because he was in a lot of pain but I was so focused on my own pain that I didn't Mm. recognize in a lot of ways he didn't share with me. So I didn't understand the depth of what he was going through either, but because I was so focused on feeling totally disconnected and feeling unloved and ashamed, I didn't see that space in the same way that I see it now reflecting back and looking at like, God, he was like really hurting. There was a lot of things that had happened in his life But because he goes so internally, you know, I didn't see it, but I also didn't take the time to stop and reflect on that either. And so, you know, sometimes we miss each other in that space because we're both hurting and we forget to stop and say, how is the other person feeling like, and in reality, you know, obviously this really horrible thing happened with Chrissy and her mom and how hard that must've been, but she had the ability to, at one point to be like, how is he feeling? And he could have done that for her. How is she feeling? But oftentimes we we miss each other because we're in our in so much of our own pain. And it's definitely one of the saddest things I think that happens in relationships is sometimes sometimes we're hurting so much that we just we don't see each other. And 
Boy, I feel like I'm like starting to get teary. But it is, it can be well, really sad. It's so hard. One, I think it's important to, to, I think they're both valid in what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's important to acknowledge what they're feeling. But also, it's important to, I think, go through that process before reacting because it's always like yes. that quick reaction that can make a situation mm-hmm. worse. And that's kind of what this sounds like a little bit. There was like a, or just how like a fight kind of comes up like that quick. Yeah. Because it's like a rush of that passion about the pain that they're going through. And mm-hmm. well, I think you bring up a good point, which is what if we all just took a minute before we reacted to something? Like, what if we all just took a breath and said, okay, before I react to this, is there a different way I can think about this? Is there something else I want to say? Like, sometimes the first thing that you say is not the best thing. Well, I mean, yeah, for example, let's say your boss is rude to you. And maybe before telling him like to go F off (laughs) or something because you're upset, kind of, yeah, taking that time to filter and process Mm -hmm. A more like crafted response yeah. and sometimes i think we do that better with people we're not in relationship with yes than we do with people we're in relationship with because we have an underlying expectation that they're going to treat us perfect or they're going to treat us really well and sometimes or they're not going to go anywhere yeah like i can treat you like crap because you're my more safe comfortable person, yeah which and sometimes that's true. Well, <laughs> sometimes that, it's not true because well, everybody has a line. Well, that's why certain, like for family, for example, some of those mm-hmm. connections, yeah, they might feel they can say whatever, <laughs> even if it's really disrespectful because they're bounded by blood. But people cut off family members all the yeah, time yeah. because they don't want to keep going through mm-hmm. a toxic relationship or cycle. Yeah. Sometimes we, we're hardest on the people that we love the most. Yeah. And I, it's not a great pattern, I don't think, but I I think it's very common. A lot of people do it. And when I talk to my clients, it's a very common thing. I have a a client who talks about how she feels like she's so hard on her husband because she knows he's never going to leave her. And she's like so much, she does so much people pleasing with other people that I feel like it's like the time she gets to let her guard down. So we work a lot on that. It's always interesting when people feel that way, like, oh, my partner's never going to leave me. And then I swear... Those are most little situations that other per- that partner does. They finally hit their limit where they're like, no, yeah, like I, like I did want to stay, but now I'm like, no. Yeah. Or I mean, there's other ways people can leave you too. I mean, sometimes people oh. die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so do you want that to be what you think? You know, I treated this person like this, you know, now they're gone. And I, you know, I would give anything to have them back in that space again. I guess that's kind of an interesting mindset to maybe have to before you say something that might be mm-hmm. really hurtful is like this could it's just that mindset of like this could be my last words to this person so maybe i should think before really yes. saying yes and i think that requires us to take a second yeah and and i i just think that that's a really important thing to do and you know i i think we all have to learn these things yeah i, I think it's easy for us to just kind of go off but once there's real consequences to what we've done, like I've learned the most out of the hardest things, certainly. Mm-hmm. So we also have Lisa M, which thank you for your thoughtful response Yay. as well. So Lisa M says, I am a person who tries to avoid conflict as much as I can. 
And I want to put a pin in that. Yeah, right? (laughs) In my relationship, we have found communication and telling each other our thoughts go a long way. Sometimes my husband or I come home from work a little moody, and we can in a normal tone ask something like, what crawled up your butt? Or let me know when you pull the stick out of your butt. It's always okay, serious, so but offended. but turns into a joke. <laughs> yeah, we can we can definitely yeah, touch on yeah, that. Yeah, After, it all, it's always serious, but turns into a joke, and the crabby one always snaps out of it. The biggest fight we ever had, I shut myself in our bedroom and wasn't even in there 10 minutes before he came in to talk to me. We also have a saying, no one goes to bed mad or upset. If one of us pisses the other one off, we tell them, and we talk it out then and there instead of let it build up until we are too mad. So yeah, I we love, could. There's so much good stuff there. Yeah, we could definitely break it down. So yeah. like, for example, the beginning, like I'm a person who tries to avoid conflict. Yeah, that is common. <laughs> That's definitely common. Yeah, conflict avoidance. I think that like, who wants to have a conflict? No, I hate the word conflict to begin with because right there already it's like we're gonna fight. Well, at the end of the day, yeah, I don't think people want to fight. But the whole purpose of this episode is that, like we said, like at the way beginning, conflict or fighting, it's going to happen. It's important, though, how to manage that. And actually, avoiding conflict is not necessarily the best way to handle it. Because those things tend to build up. They tend to build up inside of you and get so huge. And then over time, what happens is you get like one final thing. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then before you know it, you're just spilling all of this stuff that you held in resentment. There could be passive aggressiveness going throughout. And then, yeah, that explosion. Just because you're avoiding a conflict now doesn't mean that it's not going to come out later and probably in a way that you don't want to. It's better to let off a little steam, a little steam, a little steam. I'm wondering if maybe she meant that she's just a non-confrontational person. Maybe. Because some people are also like that. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing, but I also am a believer in communicating. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, like, there are people who are super argumentative. Yes. That, like, want to be in conflict. Yeah. And so I don't think that's a good thing either. No. But avoiding it is is not always the best either. Because you're going to, if you're in a relationship long enough, you're going to have a conflict. You're just well, going to. And just from personal experience as well, some things I don't think are worth arguing about. Mm. Like, some things are just really, like, mm. petty things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think the other thing to kind of remember from some of the stuff that Lisa said, too, is, like, we have to remember that our moods and outside factors impact our level of reactivity. And so like she's saying, like if I had a hard day at work and I came home and like, you know, I'm moody and he wants to, that's like the five. I was just going to say it's part of the five 30. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes like shit happens in your life and you're like, I can't deal with this right now because I'm already overwhelmed. I'm, I'm on overdrive. I need time to come back down. And so in that moment, see, I feel like I would be really reactive to Melissa saying there's a stick up your butt. Like, I don't like that for me would not work. But this kind of harkens back to you saying like you can tailor something to like what your partner likes or doesn't like. And so clearly for them, that's like a comedy break a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, I think every relationship is different. I know my partner and I, we at least the way I view the relationship or why I think our relationship works is that not everything is taken so seriously. I think it's important to build like a 
a best friendship along with the romantic relationship. Absolutely. Because then at least that, like, when he's teasing me or something, that's, like, the best friend aspect. Where that's where I could see, like, why they would use those phrases or yeah. why they find it funny. Yeah. Because him and I, like, we might call each other sassy. And that's, like, a cute way of, like, teasing <laughs> so each other. Because that's, like, a way of, <laughs> of probably saying, yeah. like, you're being mm-hmm. moody. But in, like, a in a more comical way or like a lighthearted way, mm-hmm. I guess. Like with Melissa, a thing like comedy is such a thing for her too. Mm. Like if things are getting too serious, if I was like to stick my tongue out at her, she thinks that's hilarious and she just cracks up laughing. But if she sticks her tongue out at me, I'm like, you bitch, I will fucking end you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but like, I already, did. but right. But like, but really like for me, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, she thinks it's hilarious. Or if I, like, make a weird noise, she thinks that, like, if I went, or something like that, like, she would just think that's hilarious. And for me, I'd be like, you're mocking me, and I'm not okay with that. Like, that's not the way to break the tension for me. I get both sides because I think I'm a mix of both. Mm -hmm. Like, I do like to have the humor thing, but then I think in the ways that I relate more to you mm-hmm. is when it's an issue that I really feel deeply about. Yes. That's where the humor, it's harder to take mm-hmm. more light, lightly. Yeah. And that's something I think you just learn over time about each other, you know? And I know that even if it's serious, like I know I can kind of break that tension a little bit with her by being jokey, like that, that helps her kind of break out of it a little bit. And, but for me, I want her to just really listen. Yeah. I want her to sit and pay attention and like, look at me and listen to what I have to say and not judge me or think that I'm like being super critical, you know, for her to just hear me like that for me. I was going to say, so it means so much more to me that maybe, yeah, you had felt unheard. So then some of those behaviors Mm -hmm. are like, okay, this is more of like, like, why are you doing this act instead of, And so, and it took a lot of time, like having to communicate that to her was helpful, you know, in that way. And it, it really does help, but I can see how like for Lisa and her husband, you know, it makes sense that they would, they have this like little joke thing and that really works for them. And, you know, in John Gottman's work, that's another thing they talk about is like humor as a way to break the tension that sometimes that really works and understanding that you have your own rules for how to fight. And that comes with like tailoring things like you're going to understand how Cody feels about a certain thing. You're not going to bring it up or you might use this other thing that works really well for him. And same thing with him for you is like, how do we do this in a way where we both respect each other's boundaries and make sure that we can get through this challenging thing? I guess one thing that helped me too, and it's going to sound weird at first, but I'm going to explain it is Mm. that is the mindset of I'm not the most important person in the room. And what Mm. I mean by that is, like we said, what we kind of touched on earlier, my emotions aren't the most important. No, I get what you're saying with that. Is like, yeah. Because sometimes we can get into that space of like, I'm right. And how I feel is most important. And if you don't listen or do this thing, then you don't care about how I feel. Exactly. And that's not always the case and so i i told i can get behind that that thing of like i'm not the most important person in the room yeah i (laughs) boy that's i'm gonna have to think about that one later (laughs) there's just i I just think back to you know when i was on when i was on this show maybe towards like the beginning episodes compared to now Mm -hmm. 
I've learned a lot. <laughs> it's a very different versions. That was yeah. a very different version of myself. Yeah. Not that it was like a wrong version. It's just I feel I always want to feel like more new and improved or that I'm always learning something. I'm always taking something in. Like, I don't think we're ever going to learn everything before the end of our life. We have to continue growing. You know, it's really, it's very important. And, you know, I I think we could probably have this discussion for another five hours just because there's so much to talk about around conflict and relationships and how to communicate with one another. But I think the things really to remember the most is come from a place of love and growth and contribution. Remember that you you moved into a space of relationship with this person because you cared for them. And hopefully they cared for you too, right? Yes. That this was a space of love between the two of you. And that is the space to come back to when you're looking at problems or when conflict comes up. How do I come from a space of love and growth and contribution? I think that's really important. And yes. also just stop. Give it pause for a second. Take a minute. One of the things you had said was like, call, call a time out. Like, yeah. just be like, things are getting too heated. And I know for me, I I've heard other people say that they feel similarly. Sometimes like when you get into that space of like righteous indignation, that there's a piece of you that wants to fight, that doesn't want to stop, that wants to like pummel it into the other person, not not actually, yeah. but like, <laughs> like verbally, you know what I mean? That you're working so hard to get the other person to agree with how you feel or to believe that your way is the right way that sometimes, sometimes we have to force ourselves to like walk away and so, just take a second. So I want to, I want to touch on that too, because mm. sometimes not saying that walking away is bad, but that sometimes, at least for me, I would take walking away as like a negative like abandonment. Mm. So there's a phrasing that I kind of came up with oh, to good. sort of help with that too. Okay. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I think it is important to maybe just mm-hmm. walk away and pause. But sometimes that could be triggering. Mm-hmm. So one sort of way that I had to respond with this was that saying, okay, I want to have this conversation. I need like 10 minutes to calm down. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Or, or even just simply saying, like, we're going to come back to this. We're going to figure it out. So full disclosure, <laughs> this is what I did because I have that thing in me where I know that if I feel really hurt and I'm like in a super reactive place, like I can't even open my mouth to say, please don't talk to me right now so that mm. I can not regret everything that's going to come out of my mouth in about two minutes. Like sometimes I can't even trust myself to open my mouth to say that. Mm. So the remedy that I came up with was to put, I put a post-it note on the wall in the living room and a post-it note on the wall in the kitchen that says, please don't talk to me. I need to point to it. Yes. Or I like (laughs) stick it on my shirt. Do you know what I mean? And like, at least then I didn't open my mouth, but it's like, please don't talk to me for a few minutes. I need to come. I need to calm down, but I'll talk to you again when I'm calmer. Thank mm. you. Like literally, because that, sometimes yeah. like I understand my level of reactivity and I just, I don't even trust myself to open my mouth sometimes. Mm. And so I literally will either like point to it or I'll stick it on my shirt or well, well, there's or I'll been... just shut up and like, and just 
like look at it or some, some well, somehow to indicate. Well, you know me personally yeah. too. There's been times where I just wouldn't say anything. So I was trying to think like, well, how can I change that? Because yeah. I didn't want the other person yeah. to feel like they're in the dark. I but, would feel the same way if somebody I, like got up and walked out of the room. I'd be like, but I get, why in the hell? <laughs> but I think what you just explained too, I think that's another good yeah. way. Well, I think that I had to come up with something because I knew like sometimes it's so hard for me to even just say, I need some space or yeah. I'm not going to say anything nice right now because I just, yeah, so I'll say, I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. Yeah. If you have the ability to say those things. And I also think one of the things I talked about with my clients a lot too, is like, you can feel when the argument is going in that direction. If you can have like a little bit of awareness where you're like, okay, I'm like almost at that line. Like if you can stop yourself before you cross that line into like, I'm going to like murder you with my words kind of thing. If you can stop yourself before it gets to that point, but sometimes you can't tell what's going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I did to try to reduce the amount of stuff that you say. Cause once something comes out of your mouth, it's out there. Like exactly. you can apologize for it, but you said it. And once it's there, it gets lodged in their brain, even if they forgive you. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's really hard to forget those things if you say something really mean or really horrible. And sometimes we do that in our own pain. Like sometimes I say things that I don't really mean or I don't want to say or are really hurtful. And so I know for me, it's just better to shut my mouth <laughs> because nothing good is going to come out of it. And it depends on what it is, too. Some mm -hmm. things are really going to make us more upset than Certainly. others. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to move into that space of contemptuousness and mm. criticism. You know, I, yep. I want to communicate in a nicer way. <laughs> yeah. That was something I was going to touch on, too, with mm -hmm. the whole, like, making requests instead of complaints. Yeah. Because that that just reminded me of that. Because mm -hmm. it's it's I feel like it's common for us to say, like, you always do that or you act totally. this way. Okay, so for example, instead of saying you never clean or you're lazy, maybe something you could say instead is saying, I'm not feeling great. Would you mind picking some stuff up? Mm -hmm. Well, and so something like that happens, like if like Melissa gave herself the job of doing the dishes because I'll do the cooking. Okay. So if I cook and like the kitchen's a disaster and needs to be cleaned, like I that's her job. In my okay. mind, right? That's her job. And so, like, if she's tired after work or whatever and she doesn't get to it, there might be times where I'm annoyed or, you know, or something like that. So I can stand there and be like, okay, now I have to wash the dishes or do this thing and I shouldn't have to do this because I did the cooking and this was the agreement. Like, I have all this stuff happening in my head. But if I stop and say, okay, if I say, hey, you didn't do these things. What's she going to say? She's probably going to get defensive or she might feel bad or whatever. That was like my so example earlier, yeah. sometimes I try to say, can I make a request? Yeah. At night, if you don't get a chance to like really clean, but if you can at least run the dishwasher so I have clean plates in the morning, that would be really helpful for me. And then I might like still say like shitty things in my head. But if they're in there, like sometimes that's just a process. I see, like, I guess. Well, at least currently in my relationship, we don't really have jobs. I think the way that it's viewed right now is that it just has to get done. So, like, someone has to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to do laundry. We have to clean dishes unless we're just going to have it pile up and turn mm -hmm. into, like, a scary movie. 
So I guess it's not like a, a comparing of like yeah. between the two people that are together. It's more just like it has to get done. Someone will like one of us will do it or both no, of you us. You guys are working like a team. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, yeah. You're both chipping in. Well, I guess I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That yeah. it's like it's it's supposed because at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a team effort mm-hmm. and or at least like especially when you're living together, like it's not mm-hmm. just your house. It's not just Melissa's house. Like it's both of your. Well, and that's the thing is like, you really don't want it to become transactional. No. Uh, You know what I mean? And that actually, that strips down relationships a lot is this idea of not saying there's anything wrong with the jobs because there's, there was a, there was a communication there and you guys came up with Mm -hmm. an agreement. And I guess this is just going back to what I said about every relationship is different and you both need to do the dynamic that works Mm -hmm. for both of you. So if like the assigning you guys to do certain things, because yeah, there's some people like, for example, that hate doing yard work, but there's someone else that would rather do that versus maybe like vacuuming or washing the dishes. It's if you both were on the same page on, yeah, it's a good idea to assign things, then that is perfect. That's what's going to work in your relationship. It's when one person isn't on board or they agree to that stipulation and they're, Mm-hmm. being passive aggressive later on like well, that's, that's not if i'm in that space of like assumptions and expectations is like i have an expectation that you're going to clean the kitchen and i'm going to make an assumption that you're going to do it and that is the case most of the time but like but sometimes it's okay for me to say like i can be mad and be like i had this expectation because we set up this agreement and you didn't do it but instead i i could say well she knows that this is her job. If she didn't get to it, maybe something happened. It's not because she didn't care about me or because she didn't want to do this thing or she's reneging on her part of it. I could go in that direction or I could say maybe she had a really hard night at work. And so she didn't do it. So like, let me help her out by helping with, you know, the thing that she's supposed to do, just like she could do the same thing for me if I'm sick or if I had a hard time or I had extra clients that day. You know, if she was to go and do something that typically I would have done, like got dinner together, I would be so grateful, even though that that's my responsibility. And so that's that same thing coming back to you of the like, how can I shift and think about how she's feeling, how think about, you know, how he's feeling, you know, what's, what's happening in that space. Well, then it's, if it's something that keeps happening, like, let's say your partner, like, wasn't doing that thing over and over and over again, then Mm -hmm. I guess that's something I would say, maybe you both should reassess Mm. and just like, yeah, Yeah, figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, Not everything stays the same. Life changes. That too. And that's really important. Well, and even like, I know with my relationship too, where like, let's say, because obviously this is common where someone gets sick that I feel like, or at least, and maybe this is an expectation or a belief, but at least the way I act is that if my partner's sick, I'm going to take more on because their health is not there. And I guess because I expect like, if I'm not feeling well, I know it's common practice that that person should be resting (laughs) if they're not feeling well so that they can get better quicker instead Mm -hmm. of like trying to overexert themselves and then they're just like sick for even longer. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's just really important to remember that we have to come from a place of love. Yeah. The more that we can do that, the more we can remember that the person that we love, it's important for us to show that even when we're in our own pain, that that can really do a lot. I just want to thank everyone for listening and to remember that 
conflict is something that will come up in every relationship. And there's ways to do it in a loving and kind and contributory, if that's a word, way. And I just want to thank Frank for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a really good conversation, I think. And <laughs> Maybe a little too good. <laughs> yeah, right? And we both have had our share of conflict and relationships and have learned a lot Yeah, and have grown a lot. And I would like to invite everyone to join us um, in two weeks from now. Our next episode will be out, not one week. And I can't wait to see you guys again. I want to add one little thing. Mm -hmm. Like if there's any, I mean, hopefully there was a lot of takeaways. I think it was long enough to have (laughs) probably at least five takeaways or so. But I guess just to remind people to never, like don't stand in the way of your own happiness. I love that. We do that a lot, I think. Yeah. Be happy, everyone. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Be well. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones. 